Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Oh, good evening. It is really great to uh, be here in the pulpit again. It's been a while. Nobody's fault. I just last time I was due to preach, I ended up in hospital, and so that's why it's been a long while. Um, but if you would open your Bibles with me or your Bible app to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we, in the last two verses, we are, we're all looking forward to chapter 8, right? Uh, me too. Um, but there is just the last, those last two verses. This is what the Word of the Lord says. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives... But if her husband dies, she's free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet, in my judgment, she's happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. Oh, Lord, I do want to pray and ask that you would speak through your word. Lord, would you use me? Would you humble me? Um, may we look to Christ. May you imprint these words in our hearts. Uh, open our ears to hear what you have to say. Starting with, with me, Lord. I ask you that you'll speak to us tonight. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So this, this photo was taken about 20 years ago. Uh, we have the photo there. Uh, Brazil winning the World Cup 2002. There we go. Uh, and, you know, we are big soccer fans in Brazil. When It's the one time in the, uh, in the country where everything stops is to watch Brazil winning the... Uh, well, Brazil playing their games in the World Cup. Um, but I want to make a statement here. So this is the statement. Brazil will win this World Cup again. <laughs> All right. So there is the statement. But now in this statement, there are a couple of assumptions that are being made here. Okay, firstly... It tells us that Brazil has won a World Cup before. Five times. We are the only country that has won it five times. <laughs> yep. It also tells us that Brazil qualified for this World Cup. In other words, they are playing in the World Cup. It's also the only country that has been in every single World Cup. And it also asserts that Brazil is at least a strong contender to, to win the World Cup. In other words, if I said Tunisia will win the World Cup, you will be like laughing a little bit. It, it just seems very unlikely, even though they made it to the World Cup. But 
at least there is a, a, a chance that Brazil will win the World Cup. And just, I don't know what's going on there if I, sorry, Ryan. Uh, there you go. So just as there are all those three other assumptions made with that statement, the text of today, it's very plain. These two verses are very straightforward, but there are a couple of assumptions and principles that Paul is communicating. So in addition to, to the statement, I want to explore some of those assumptions and principles. So in this chapter 7, Paul has been dealing with, with marriage and singleness. We've, we've, he's answering some questions as, uh, that were raised previously to him, as Jabu mentioned before. Last week, Conrad preached on uh, living according to your call. If, if your call is to be single, then, then you must be single for the glory of God. If your call was to be married, for you to be married for the gl glory of God. And, and Paul gets to this part and really stays with the same principle, uh, with the only difference that he's now addressing specifically the widows. And so maybe... Some of the widows had been asking the question, can my, my husband passed away, can I marry again? Um, and also, a, a commentator points out as well, that second marriages were not seen in a very good light. Uh, they were seen in reproach, in, in reproach. One scholar puts it like this, in course of time, it became prevalent among Christians for second marriages had no blessing pronounced upon them, and some councils prohibited the clergy from being present on such occasions. And the apostle here condemns tyranny of that sort and declares that no hindrance ought to be thrown in the way of widows marrying if they think proper. And so, and secondly, Paul probably felt that he needed to address ladies that were widows specifically who maybe didn't feel that they had uh, the liberty as men had to marry a second time. Should I use this other mic? Uh, no, we're good. Okay. And so Paul is going to answer the question. Can, can I marry to the widows, can I marry again if my husband has passed away? And so the, the straight answer, the answer is this. Yes, you are free to remarry whoever you want. And, and that's the answer. That is what Paul is saying in these two verses. Widows, if your husband has passed away, you are free to marry again. Now, this is uh, an interesting cultural point is that um, it says that she is free to be married to whom she wishes. In other words, she didn't have to go back to her household. She didn't have to ask permission to her father again, or she didn't have to get consent because she has already become one with the husband that has passed away. They have left um, Home and so now she can marry whoever she wants. 
Now Paul adds one condition. There is one condition. And this is the condition. Only in the Lord. Paul expresses this condition that it should be she, should, she can marry anyone she wishes, but only in the Lord. And that is that the widow should marry a believer. Now, we're going to expand a bit more on that just now. But that's the answer right there. That's what Paul is communicating. But there are three principles or three assumptions hidden in, in these two verses that I want to bring attention to us uh, tonight. So the first one is that marriage is for life. Marriage is for life. Look at the beginning of verse 39. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. Marriage is a bounding covenant for Life. It is not a contract that has an expiry date, that has conditions attached to it. Marriage is a lifelong commitment, a lifelong covenant between a man and a woman before God. And, and Paul just passes in, in expressing the answer to the widows. He, in a sense, is reinforcing this principle. Remember that marriage is for life. That this is the intention and the design that God created marriage. That two people become one. And, and look at the word he uses for referring to the widow. A wife is bound, that word, that it's a uh, deal in, in the Greek, and, and it, it means bound, it means tied. So marriage is a binding thing. It's not something to be taken lightly. Matthew 19, verse 6, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And and this is important for us to understand today in this day and age because marriage is under threat. Modern society is trying to redefine marriage. They are trying to deconstruct this institution of marriage. They are trying to redefine this institution that God has created. So here in South Africa, for example, by law there are three kinds of marriages Civil marriage, and that is between a man and a woman. A civil union that gives the same rights to a, a civil marriage, but it also includes same-sex couples. Thirdly, customary marriages that includes polygamous marriages. In other words, men can marry multiple wives. Interesting enough, um, the, uh, they were debating if uh, they should, should add polyandry, which is uh, one woman can marry multiple husbands, but that hasn't gone into law yet. But this, in our South African Constitution, already shows you a deviation from God's design for marriage. And marriage is foundational to society and to the church. And, and there's a lot of young people here. You need to understand God's design in marriage that one woman and one man married for life. 
and the church should model what good marriages look like. Not only this, but also Paul here expresses that the law here regarding marriage is only valid while the spouse is alive. Once he dies, the, the other person is free from that law of marriage, from that covenant of marriage. So that's the first principle that Paul is just giving away just as a passing by comment. Secondly, that believers should marry believers. Now, Paul develops this idea in, in 2 Corinthians six fourteen when he says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And so believers should marry believers. An old Puritan preacher once said, If you marry a child of the devil you'll be sure to have trouble with your (laughs) father-in-law. So marriage, marriage is hard. But those that are married, they will tell you marriage is hard. And it's hard even between two believers. Now imagine with marrying someone with a completely different belief system. Now, my wife and I, we've been married almost eight years now. And in the beginning of our marriage, I was sharing with the ladies a couple of weeks ago that, you know, we are very different people, the two of us, and we come from two different cultures. She, she was raised in a very English, prim and proper home, and I was raised in a Brazilian loud home. Um, and so in the beginning of our marriage, uh, just communication, we had uh, a lot of arguments about communication. Um, for example, she would call me, babe, and in her home, if someone called someone, they would leave and go to the room where the person who called um, was. Now, in my home, we talked across walls. <laughs> and so she would call me, babe, what is it? You know, I would just... <laughs> And she's waiting patiently there for me to come, and I'm waiting for her to respond. (laughs) Now, this is just an illustration of differences just between two cultures. But imagine you marrying someone that has a completely different belief system. And there are a lot of young people here today Look for a godly husband. Look for a godly wife. Someone that loves Jesus. Don't go and get emotionally attached and involved with someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And you may be thinking, oh, I'm going to change them. I'm sorry to tell you, you cannot change a heart of stone. Only the Holy Spirit can change a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. You do not have that, that power. And you may say, oh, but they are so pretty. She's so pretty. She's so beauty, beautiful. Well, beauty passes away. M- marriage for special, 
especially um, for believers, should be other believers. And here Paul expresses in the strongest sense in the New Testament that believers should marry believers. Now the question may arise, what if I married an unbeliever? Isaac, what, what if I did that? So the Bible does instruct us not to divorce them. Mark preached on this a couple of weeks ago. God hates divorce. Don't, don't divorce them. The, their home will be edified as you fulfill the role that God has called you. If you married an unbeliever, there's grace to you. There is grace. There is forgiveness. There is redemption in Christ Jesus. And you should edify your home. Now, in, when we, and Melissa and I, do premarital counseling, we would often say this to people, to the husband and his wife, that husbands should fulfill their roles whether their wives fulfill their role or not. And the same thing with, with the wives. In other words, men should love their wives whether their wives are submitting or not. And wives should submit to their husbands whether the husbands are loving or not. And interesting, this, this past week I finished uh, uh, a book on an introduction to the Puritans, and they, used, they were saying the same thing, so I felt vindicated about, about that. But, but here's the issue. God has commanded you individually to, to follow His command and fulfill your role based on who you serve, not who you married. Obedience to Him is regardless of your wife's obedience or not. You obey Christ, what He has said. Now, another, another thing on this phrase, only in the Lord, is, and, and I thought it was a, a very... Um, good insight from, from Calvin. Calvin adds this. Only in the Lord, this is thought to be added for the purpose of admonishing them in passing that they ought not to yoke themselves with the irreligious or to covet their society. This I acknowledge is true, but I am of opinion that more is meant as well, that they should do this in a religious way and in the fear of the Lord. For it is in this manner that marriages are formed. And so for us believers, for you to be in fear, to, to, to set your marriage in, in the fear of the Lord, in, in that manner, not, not in a, with a, a secular view or just, or just tradition, but, but being joined in obedience to Christ and, and re- revering to Him and obeying Him and listening to His voice and, and fearing of the Lord. And so th- those two things he, he goes on to say. Thirdly, he does point out that staying unmarried is an option. All right, so the widow does not have to get married. She can stay as she is, unmarried, and that is not, it's not a problem. It's, it's not sinful. And, and, and again, Calvin is, is helpful here. But she is happier if she so abide. Why? Is it because widow who, 
widowhood is of itself a virtue? No, but because it will have less to distract and is more exempt from earthly cares. Just as, as Paul instructs those that are single, hey, you don't have to get married because there are other worries when you get married. Here, the same, the same principle to the widows. You, are, you can get married, but th- you can stay unmarried um, as marriage, marriage brings about other worries. And, and Paul, he doesn't just say, this is my opinion. You know, um, he says, I, I think that I too have the Spirit of God. And this, and this phrase doesn't express doubt, but actually Paul is, is expressing certainty in that. Like, I, I have the Spirit of God. It's, it's not just me telling you um, this. And so in this issue of remarrying, of, of marrying, re, relationships, these are long-term relationships, we need to be very careful and wise. Matthew Henry says, in our choice of relations and change of conditions, we should always be guided by the fear of God and the laws of God and act in dependence on the providence of God. Change of condition ought only to be made after careful consideration and probable grounds that it will be to advantage in our spiritual concerns. And so for those of you that are unmarried here, pray, pray for your spouse. Pray for who God is going to give you. I started praying for my wife when I was 13 years old. And I scored big time. <laughs> Pray and ask God to, to guide you. When there is a, a big change of condition from single to married, or even if a widow and, and, and getting remarried, these are not light decisions. They are weighty decisions. And so be in prayer, be in dependence of God. So where do we go from here? I want to end with remember the gospel. Now, Isaac, how do you jump from there to the gospel? Oh, actually, it's not my idea. Paul does it. And so in a parallel passage in Romans chapter 7, if you turn there, from verse 1, look at what Paul says. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives? Right? Same thing as we've been talking. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Same thing, right? Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Right, so where does he go on from there? 
Likewise, now look at that word. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. Who? To him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to death which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Paul uses this this example of widowing and, and remarriage to point to the gospel and says, likewise, you were before, you're bound to, to the law, but through the body of Christ, you have been set free to a new way. To a new way. Now, I don't think we, 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 we sometimes forget how precious, how precious us being delivered from the bondage of the law is. How amazing that is. That we don't have the old law system, but that Christ has fulfilled the law and made a way for us to come to Him. We were, before we were dead in our trespasses, we are living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law. And we are producing fruit for death. But Christ set us free to bear fruit for God. And, and if you're here tonight and you're, if you're not bearing fruit for God, you should examine your heart if you have truly trusted Jesus Christ. What kind of fruit are you bearing? Are you bearing fruit for death or bearing fruit for God? Christ has set us free, and it is for freedom that he has set us free. It is, as we examine this passion, this passage, we ought to be looking back Look at who we were before we even heard it this morning. Remembering. We're living in the flesh, sinful passions. But we have been delivered. We've been set free. To a new, to a new way, to a new passion. And, and, and I hope that again, for you and for me, that Christ becomes precious in your sight. More than just events, more than just events and, and, and remembering the gospel, which, which we must constantly, I want you to again fall in love with the person of Jesus Christ who set you free. And this is what we're going to be remembering in a moment as we take the Lord's Supper. So may, may the Lord help you, help me in living in according to the call that God has called us, in bearing fruit for God, in living in a free, 
manner, not going, not going back. Let us pray. Lord, we, we worship you and we adore you. Thank you for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that paid for our sins. Thank you that Christ fulfilled the law and we have been set free. And Lord, we, we now obey because we have been saved. Lord, Lord I, I do pray that you would bless and give wisdom to the folk that are here today, even maybe contemplating marriage, that they will um, follow your guidelines, Lord, that they will look for godly husbands and godly wives. And, and I pray that your hand will be upon us as we, uh, as we follow your commands, Lord. Precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.